Welcome back to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hi. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And October's over. Sure is. But this record's still pretty haunted. It does not mean we are leaving the haunted realm of sound. Because today, we listened to Escore, Missing Volume. Just a classic Escore. Mm-hmm. One of the two pieces of uh, Escore full-length vinyl, the other being My Candle Has Died on Praxis Dr. Behrman. Uh, also classic label, classic uh, classic LP, splattered in candle wax uh, every, co- every cover. And uh, of course, Escore has a good handful of seven inches, one of which we've done on the... Seven Inch Sunday series over at our Patreon, but probably mostly known for his cassettes. The incredible looking cassettes from the 80s into the 90s. Just a very special project. And I think we're all very excited to discuss Escore. But of course, before we get into it, Great. What the heck have you been listening to? Oh, man. Some of this is a little older as, uh, you know, last episode we didn't uh, do a recent listing. We did sort of a recommended viewing. But I've got, uh, let's see, Verkbund, the Skagerak LP from the 80s. And it's, uh, you know, industrial noise, fractured transmissions, some oil barrel tumble. Uh, You can hear your own heart beating alongside the infected rats in the walls. Just a weird, spooky record. record. Uh, and then I threw on Buried Machine Stoned Mirror LP, uh, which kind of uh, almost feels like a chopped and screwed uh, weird noise drone record. It's like a ringing, delayed loop. <laughs> Repetitive and awkward is how I would describe it. I uh, checked out the new Cherry Point, which is not technically new audio because it's a bunch of uh, collaborations from 2005 visiting hours uh, cover art of a uh, uh, like Halloween haunted house type attraction in it with a bunch of photos and it, uh, it looks amazing uh, runes order 1988 to 2022 CD on dark vinyl which uh, made me realize that I think I like Rune's Order on cassette more than CD, even if you put the same tracks. They just sound right, kind of hitting tape more so than a CD. They sound kind of, uh, I don't know, too clean. It's weird. It's weird to hear some of these pieces like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Still going. I, RJF, Greater Success in Apprehensions and Convictions, the CD from uh, Segerhuva back in 2008, although Harbinger has just done an LP pressing of this. Uh, busted industrial meets busted power electronics and Lasuria Scarlet Locus of these columns uh, just did a trash wear with Jim and threw this on uh, as part as sort of part of that but also just like this is one of my favorites <laughs> from his catalog and there was a new thing just announced on hospital and uh, I ordered that so I'm excited to hear more new Lasuria always. <laughs> At, we are in the same boat as you, of course. We, of course, picked up Poison Butterfly came day after Autumn Day. Eee, Title so of the good. year, for sure. <laughs> Can 
cannot wait to get that and the entire new update. A lot of exciting, some older projects that haven't done anything for a while, a couple brand new things. It's an exciting update for sure. I'm excited for sweatpants. Oh, yeah. It's sweatpants time. Yeah. You guys might have listened to that trash wear too, huh? We that was great. did listen to the trash wear. It is fantastic. We very much recommend anyone who hasn't listened to that to go and listen to that. Really enjoyed the track breakdown of, of a, one of the great Lasuria tracks. Mm-hmm. Just enjoyed hearing his thoughts and ideas behind recording, behind gear or lack thereof. Just just a just a great guy, obviously, friend of the podcast, just someone the three of us all hold in the highest regard. Yeah, Jim's very thoughtful and he has a truly unique perspective. So it's always interesting to hear what he has to say. Aside from trashware, what else have you guys been listening to? <laughs> well, yes, it has been a while since we've done recent listening, a lot of interviews, a lot of different episodes. So one thing that we wanted to make sure to mention that came out a little bit ago this year would be the Shredded Nerve CD on Chondritic Sound. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've had a chance to mention it on the podcast and just wanted to emphasize how much we enjoyed it. I I'm, I know that when we were listening to it, Gray was getting texts from us. One of those CDs that, in a good way, as it's going on, we kept asking ourselves, wait, who is this again? This mm-hmm. is so good. Like, because it was new, because we, it was one of those fresh listens that almost felt like we had heard it because it was just, it, just those nice atmosphere, nice sounds. Really enjoyed it. Acts of Betrayal. Acts of Betrayal. Is the title Grey still available from Chondritic Sound? Still got a little stack left, yeah. So let's let's run out let's run out Kindritic sound of them at least by the oh I guess when this episode comes out Bandcamp Friday will be the Friday oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. look at that so let's hey. get rid of those I got a few more CDs showing up here in the next couple days so maybe we'll see some of those on Bandcamp Friday as well very very cool but gearing up for this episode it's been a lot of escort so much escort and just still going from our last episode it's just a tracks a tracks a tracks watching the footage of the from the mortar machine box oh i think you may have discussed this on an episode or it was private i don't remember as as our conversation oh my god are you kidding that footage from london when he's laying down on the stage <laughs> oh. or when he just sits pace, patiently between songs just like staring straight ahead it's <sighs> phenomenal absolutely just everything we want and his vocals are so insane like they it, it just they come out exactly like it sounds on the albums. Yeah. It's yeah. unreal. No, those live so performances good. are a real treat and uh, very thankful that they were collected in that box. Along with the uh, Happy Birthday tape, which is one I never gotten a hold of. Uh, right. And the Mortar Machine Death Show, uh, which was also originally a cassette, but uh, reissued in that. I have the CD, regular CD edition of that one, but that's uh, really 
I just that material is great. There's also a CD and cassette of unreleased material in that box from Old Europa. So uh, check it out. Box looks nice. Video looks nice. The music's hey. good. You know that. Hey, mm-hmm. you know it. But that's been our our weekend. Gotta say, it really has been a lot of S-Core. Really excited to talk about this album. Talk about Escore as a project. And what's really cool is that while there are next to no interviews with Escore, we did dig up an interview from 1999 that we will be referencing throughout the episode. But there is also a brand new forthcoming interview that will be available in the next issue of Special Interests. And we were lucky enough to get a hold of that before its release. So we will be referencing this new interview as well. But don't get your hopes up that because he's doing a new interview that there's going to be a lot of new Escore because the project is part of the past. And that's okay because we have a incredible history to absorb to discuss, and this LP missing volume, well, it is just a perfect way to get into the world of Escort. I don't remember when or where I heard Escort for the first time. Uh, I, I'm just not sure. Maybe it was some of those seven inches. Maybe it was the Sediment CD on God Factory. Um, but somewhere along the line, it, it just, that the, his sounds pulled me in and the, while a lot of the stuff coming out of Japan was harsh, especially in the nineties, the, his like approach and use of textured sounds and layers and more patient pieces and slightly more industrial pieces than a lot of the Japanese noise coming out really, really hit me. Uh, and and stuck with me and got me obsessed with him like <laughs> totally just wanting to hear whatever I could so I did I picked up whatever I could find back then and I'm still picking up things that I don't have uh, and this record was one of the things that was sort of, sort of more widely available you know as Connolly had mentioned early on the tapes uh, there's a bunch of great tapes in the 80s they're all hard to get <laughs> uh they're all in limited numbers. They're not reissued, and they are, uh, you know, th- this record was done in, uh, you know, several hundred copies, and you can, you can actually find this. But any escort you find, you should grab. I would think. <laughs> the oh, many of the early tapes, of course, were put out on his own Afflict label, but he also would work with Stall Plot. Did a lot of comps. So many comps. I, I'm sure that's where I first heard Escore was on a comp. And I think one project that it reminds me of, and it's almost because of it being just a unique project, would be Contagious Orgasm, in that there were both of those projects feel to me that they could go anywhere, especially those early tapes like Dross, where there are synths and beats. 
on and, some and tracks. And maybe a melody or a weird, yes. like sort of stripped down, yeah, stripped down melody or yeah, drum machine. Um, I I fully see the contagious orgasm sort of connection there. One thing that Escorts has always sort of reminded me of is those early Daniel Menchie releases because of the approach to texture in his sound. And that's one of those things that I've, that I took away from it and, and sort of influenced my sound. I think it's so funny. I also wrote down that it reminds me of contagious orgasm. And I think the reason would be the, the very atmospheric elements and the visual elements. Like there's a sinister nature, but it never quite goes over into the harsh territory. And it's, it's just really interesting. Yes. I I agree, and I think that this LP is a perfect example of that. Now, once we get to this record from 1998, the synths are gone, the beats are gone, that element of Escort is not present on this record. What is present is atmosphere, atmosphere, atmosphere. And the ancient atmosphere that it evokes starts from the beginning and goes to the end and it fills the room with sense of times past keys to the to a private darkness this is private that's the other thing yes escorts never played live isn't that wild that is uh yeah that's a and, and he said that he just didn't think that it would be effective playing live due to the nature of the layering and, and the process that he uses to create but what's interesting is that I, this whole record, I cannot tell what is being used, what is happening, and that to me is all the better for it. In my mind, this is all happening and unfolding as we're listening to it. I don't hear layers. I hear atmosphere and thoughts. And in my mind, it just is happening as we're listening. I hear layers, but to me, they're sort of foggy versions of mundane, everyday sounds processed and put together in strange ways. Like I will talk about it when we get to the tracks, but I would swear I hear some construction in the distance. I hear maybe some traffic going by on the highway. The sounds of like life in the city. But those are you. You don't actually hear those sounds. <laughs> if you're hearing any of that, it's sort of a a remembered ghost of those sounds left on tape. And I think that's a really interesting thing is that it can evoke places and settings and vibes, but it's all one, one word I would kind of use is like foggy. There's a, there's a haziness to some of this stuff while it is deeply textured. It's also just out of reach as to what exactly is happening. Well, that's interesting because I, I think that, the common themes that I was finding would be ritual and prayer, but also introspection and, you know, ancient themes meeting current day themes, like the things that we have in common with the internal spaces from people from long ago. And, you know, if anything, being introspective and within yourself is certainly foggy because, you know, who truly understands all of their motivation and all of their internal spaces. It's the ultimate haze. Yes. And for me, I go to the past with Escor because 
of those early tape covers. Not so much the cover of this LP, but the cover for Alter, the cover for Dross, the cover for Pretension. Mm. Yeah, he's used um, like a Buddha statue in the past, um, a no mask, which is the classical Japanese dance theater. And, and he's even stated he's not Buddhist, but respects and uses the themes present in prayers and meditation. And when you look at these old statues and masks on the cover and old art, I just can't help but put myself in that world. And yes, this is you put, this is very visual and you do put yourself in different places. And for me, it was an old room, an old cave, old stones, old smells were filling the room while listening to this. Well, then how appropriate is it that he states S-Core stands for score, like scoring an orchestra? So even in my mind, I think of it as as a score for these visual places that we're journeying to while listening to these tracks. Terry, you looked up Ravel, which is the first track. Well, I, I wanted to see because... I mean, I think of Unravel. I thought Ravel, the French composer, <laughs> but uh, so it could be Ravel um, or it could be Ravel, which I got to learn a new thing and it's called a contronym. Uh, a contronym is a word that has two meanings that are opposite of each other. Like ravel is to tangle or to untangle. Other examples would be buckle, like you're buckling your belt, you're putting it together, or your knees buckle, they come apart. Um, bolt, ought. Hmm. Never bound. thought of that. And I never even thought other, of... Other contronyms, I had no idea. Yeah. So what an interesting word. So Ravel, the contronym. I don't know what he was using, but, but I think that's it's an evocative word for sure. But I think that's really cool. I think the idea that already with the first track, it can be it can be two things. It can be multiple things. It can be things this being whole woven. album can be multiple things. Yeah. Ray was hearing city and traffic. I was in ancient times. We we and both are coexisting together. And we're both hearing two different things. Yeah, it's, it's So it just starts right there. It's weaving and unweaving. I really like the way this starts with these sort of two uh, unpause sounds or something, like kind of warps into your ears. And that's it's sort of a, almost a false start because then it does fully kind of get into this... I, again, it feels like an unpause or uh, an unraveling, if you will. And it gets into this sort of machined clatter with this, this is sort of a really almost weak synth beneath it or synth type sound that that carries it through just sort of general. I, you, again, it's so foggy. I can't tell exactly what's going on as if it's recorded at a distance and played back at a distance like it it just seems doubly removed from whatever it is that's happening as far as the foreground of this track 
This app, this track absolutely made me think of the interview from October of 1999. And he said, the key word to understand my music is anxiety. The aim of my music is to let people feel uneasiness by instinct. And how this absolutely feels that way for, for me, even it was just a torrential storm, like really, really swirling atmosphere, like wood hitting itself. And it, it also reminds me of like the movie terror that Sean was talking about when the witch is presenting herself and then suddenly like the leaves go crazy and the wind starts howling and everything becomes violent. Absolutely like that. In the upcoming special interest interview, he expands on that idea and says, I want to produce music that makes listeners feel anxiety. Some of my works have done it in a very good way, I think. And did it work for me? Sometimes, surely. So I also like the idea that he was doing it not only for listeners, but for to give himself anxiety. That's a, an interesting point. Guys, do you think we enjoy giving ourselves anxiety? Is that is that part of the enjoyment that we like putting ourselves to confront a fearful situation? I think that's certainly Maybe. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. Because if this were the atmosphere that I was physically present in, uh, it would be terrifying. Yeah, but I will say in a way it's relaxing to me too. And maybe it's mm -hmm. the idea of confronting those anxieties and those darker feelings that is somewhat comforting to us. And I think that's the underground is there to explore these feelings and explore these ideas. And I think that Escor does an incredible job of that. And I think we should note, I don't believe we have introduced Escor Yutaka Tanaka. Yutaka Tanaka, born 1963. So he really gets at a lot of different feelings and emotions throughout all of his works. And I can see this one being talking about anxiety sonically. Hey, maybe it's like when you're in a blizzard, if you're at home and you have food and everything you need and you see it snowing outside, it's gorgeous and it's fun to watch and you feel so cozy. But then if you're on a car trip and it starts snowing and going crazy, it's absolutely anxiety inducing and it's a completely different experience. It Your can, safety level is different. It can be both. And I think exactly. maybe that's what this is yes. all about. It can yes. be, things can be both. Or three things, or four things, or five it's things. It's contextualizing anxiety. Yeah. Stampede, the next track, we talk haze. I mean, this is the haze of history behind closed doors where secret meetings are being held. The atmosphere of the old room is just taking over. This one just gave me a low-grade fever feeling where just you... you Something's amiss, but you can't tell quite what it hasn't. The fever hasn't broken yet. You're not, you're not fully there, but you're just the onset of something terrible, I guess. And this is the one where I was hearing sort of some sort of construction, but there's a, there's a weird, um, it's not a loop, but an intermittent sort of wind hiss 
mm-hmm. sound that I would have assumed was a th- synthesizer, and maybe he's still using it occasionally on some of these pieces in the 90s, uh, just not as the forefront of the thing, because it definitely has that sound to it. And there's just sort of a constant hum and drone going on to this piece that is really evocative. And it's also surprisingly long. It, this whole record, I would say, has a, a nice runtime, and everything is allowed to unfold and extend in its own time. There's a patience to the whole album that I love. And yeah, this, the the fog is not going to be lifted. And this track is letting you know that it will not be lifted for the duration of this album. We are going to be crumbling through time. This, I couldn't get the, image of ships lost at sea for this track and maybe it's because it just lingers and lingers but just you know flat expanses of nothing or maybe a tornado where the grass is blowing so strongly that it's flattened to the ground or just aimlessly drifting across nothing uh yeah this track certainly is just continuing endlessly into a haze And it just ends, which is a, a strange thing. Like the previous track has a fade out on it. Ravel kind of fades into nothing. Mm-hmm. Stampede goes on for a, a good long while, and then it just sort of stops. Um, and I, I thought for a piece that long, that was an interesting choice to end it is to just actually end it. And I think maybe that's why this track, especially why, I was just going with that it's happening as we're hearing it because it does that thing where it, mm-hmm. it ends on its own accord and it's, it gives, it just gives such a nice frame to the entire track. Cause then you get to mummery and you're peeking behind the walls of the crypt and you're absorbing that smell and the bandages all have a story to tell. And the flames are moving without wind. There's these, there's these points throughout this track that are shooting up. I get that sort of a flickering. I, I put a uh, dive bombing, uh, but it's not actually that. I think I think a flicker is actually maybe more appropriate this one actually sort of harkens back to earlier escort like 80s escort to me in terms of construction where it's got this some almost sort of rhythmic static and these sort of these sort of swoops or flickers in it uh this also this reminded me of a contemporary project geography of hell uh that the uh, hiroshima nagasaki lp from uh, a couple years ago which Connolly happens to be wearing a Geography of Hell shirt right now. So, <laughs> but uh, that's sure, that's actually just written in my notes <laughs> right here. That's awesome. really funny. I can I can definitely hear mm-hmm. that though. Yeah, it it gave me that that sort of slow descent, flicker, static, and sort of like a weird sort of lurching synth under it. And there it, it, there's what feels like a loop on this one, but it keeps kind of changing. It's not actually a loop. And I, that really worked for me. Yeah. I, I found this one really odd. Like the rhythmic, the staccato elements are, are certainly like odd, like a jerky, unusual movement to the whole track. And it is called mummery. So again, if, if you want to think of it, 
like mummies, that's fine. That's a, which is which is where I went with this. Um, a mummer, a mummery is a performance by mummers or something that is ridiculous and ceremonial. Buffoonery is another word for mummery. So a mummer is an actor in a traditional mime. The roots can be traced back as far as ancient Egypt. It was very popular in medieval times. They perform skits. I know there's still mummer parades in Pennsylvania to today, but again, across other cultures, it's like this um, masked, masked dance, mask pantomime. Which again, totally goes along this idea that it is old. This is an old tradition. Exactly. Egypt masks. This is what I think of when yeah. I think of escort. Yeah, medieval peasant, peasants coming to someone's door and demanding gin. There's fun mummer poems. They demand soup and gin. Can can you do that? Apparently. <laughs> not not a bit not a bad style, huh? If you should try at my should... house and ask for some gin, I I I got some gin. <laughs> Oh great! Well, we'll try it. it. I'll bring a mask. Works out when we when we go to the Holger Hut. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we don't even have to recite a poem. <laughs> but now we might well, have to. Yeah. Now Gray's going to make maybe us. Next, maybe next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just try and stop us. Yeah, and this is you know three songs on the A side and two on the B. This is the shortest of the pieces, but still not a short piece. Does not feel like you're not getting your fill here. Yeah, this one was otherworldly and odd. Absolutely, Ugh, just. Just so, just the airy atmosphere, and I think I'll say the word atmosphere more than any episode I think I've written it down more, because this <laughs> is, it's just pure atmosphere, and I love it so much, and this this whole week that we've been listening to this record, it's, it, it is just, it's so evocative. Yeah, and that happens when we're listening to Contagious Orgasm as well, I think, because you, you cease to think of it in terms of layering and pieces that are happening within it because it all becomes a whole piece, you know, like every element in it describes the scene that is unfolding in your mind. So it's really, you know, difficult to discuss it in terms of layering and elements because you just think of it as, as an entity of itself. Yeah. And I think the, again, I think the Contagious Orgasm comparison is not so much a literal comparison. I just think of these projects as well as another project we've discussed dissecting table as Japanese projects that just don't fit into any mold, any real genre. They, they are their own unique take on many things. Yeah. Like Escore was inspired by 23 Skidoo. Yeah, 23 Skidoo, is, he said, was his favorite band. And, of course, something like Nurse With Wound, which makes sense. Because, again, mm-hmm. just this idea of anything and everything can be used for the final goal, I think, is a very cool idea. And I, I would I would imagine that that's when he said Nurse With Wound was, was a, an inspiration. I would imagine that's part of what that inspiration was from. I think it's uh, actually interesting to say Nurse With Wound and... Uh, a lot of these sort of earlier industrial and noise projects that cite that as an influence, I find what they've done with that influence to me is uh, often more evocative and transportive than listening to Nurse with Wound. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about Nurse with Wound for an episode someday. So sure, we'll get there <laughs> when we get there. Yes, always. I mean, all, Nurse with Wound's uh, been a difficult project for me 
for my whole life. There's no question. I, I have a, I, do, I don't even know what my relationship to Nurse with Wound is. Oh, it was one of my sort of gateway things coming in from like the coil nurse, you know, coil current 93 realm, uh, and then getting into the harsher stuff. So hearing those early nurse with wound records and the, uh, especially the noisier and more surrealist stuff, uh, definitely informed my listening habits, but at the same time, uh, some of those things are, they had a really wide ranging approach and instrumentation. And I sort of like a more stripped down focused vision of, uh, of noise. I think it'll be interesting to discuss them because I do think that I think it, I think it will be interesting because I think we all probably have different feelings and our feelings have probably changed with that project throughout the year. So it's been so long. I can't even state an opinion at this yeah. point. <laughs> Honestly, it's kind of same here. Yeah. But let's flip this this record. What do you say? Nope. And let's get into gold. <laughs> We're going to go even further back in time. There's no specific destination, but we will know when we arrive. Pure evocative darkness. This is winds blowing from all directions, wood burning, fuel for the act. There it's is just this slow amazing. burn, slow static burn on this one, almost akin to what we had on Mummery, but it's it's changed, you know? It's I, I like the fire analogy there, and there's just sort of a, this slow clank feel to this piece. But then there's and, and again, this is a, this takes up half a side, nice and long. At some point there's Almost sort of like celestial tones that come in on this one. Did you guys hear that? Yeah. I certainly felt it. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, yes, I felt that I was at a seance and there were was an eavesdropping entity and somebody attempting to send a transmission from beyond. Absolutely. So celestial, sure. Otherworldly, absolutely. Failed weird transmissions. This track also took me to The Outer Limits, the TV show. Sounds definitely like some sort of science experiment, communication with celestial beings, with alien beings, 100%. Borderlands. It's it's It sounds from ages that will never return. And I think whatever age that is to each individual listener, I think that's, I think that's what this track does i really love this track yeah i mean this this side is again just that haze settles over everything uh, all of it on this is just hard to hear hard to recognize and you get little pieces and little things that you can pick out and listen to that again Maybe my podcast co-hosts are not hearing, but I'm hearing it. <laughs> and, and for me, it's there. And that's one of those things that I really like about Escort 2 is when you put it on, it feels like a yeah. every time I listen to something, I'm getting a different listening experience because there's so many different layers or zones that your brain can take you while you're listening to it. And it can work great as just some background sound. And it can work great if you want to sit there and focus on and pick out little things. You know, I, I had forgotten you, Taka. Tanaka also said he was a fan of MB, and I think that's obvious on this track. I think that definitely 
translates mm-hmm. into this whole album. Well, and Zabriski Point uh, issued MB's Activitat. Mm. Correct. And, of course, released a CD with what I consider to be top five noise album covers of all time, that being Incapacitance as, as loud, loud as, as possible. possible. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Very, very important releases. And also Hands I, to Turn My Hands to. So Risky Point's got some great releases. Exactly. I like his explanation for the project name because in an older interview, he gave some different meanings for what S-Core could be. Mm-hmm. Sacred Core, Core of Sanctuary. But in the new interview, he does say that he just made those up for that interview. But I got to say, I'm going with it because these are great things for S-Core to, to represent. Yeah, the core of singularity. Hell yes. So Agreed. whether or not he did that on the spot, I, I to me, it doesn't matter. It, 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 it exists and it is real. I love core of sanctuary. That's where I'm at this whole album. I'm in the core of sanctuary. I'm in the sacred core. And again, even those titles bring back ancient times, looking at those old tape covers, bringing mm-hmm. back ancient times. So I personally am still going with these other ideas for what Escort could be. But I also just love the name in general because it could be so much stuff for, again, like we're talking about this whole album, it, it, could, be, it could be something else for every listener. And I love that. I think that I love that aspect to Escort. It's so open. I think that's what is one of the great things about Escort in general. It's just so open. Mm-hmm. This album, the sounds feel open. It feels like we're opening something. The air, the openness of this whole record. It's just part of his part of his art. You know, he Escore was a solo project, but he collaborated with a lot of people, like, you know, mm-hmm. Telefreak, Trigger B. Uh he did a project called International Male Music Group with Al Margolis from If Buana, Rafael Flores, and uh, uh, Bogart. Um, there's, it's funny how singular this is, but also that there is a fair fair amount of collaborative works out there by him. And I think even in this uh, interview, he mentions that he that he did that. Uh, he did a collaboration tape with Merzbaugh, but nothing further came of it after that. Yeah, he's he says that collaborating with others is also a stimulus to my work. He he enjoyed hearing his sounds recomposed by other musicians and for them to become something that he couldn't imagine in the first place. And I think that's just a great way of looking at collabs. On his collaboration with Bogart, there's a track title called Love is a Yellow Cake, and I think that is awesome. I love, love that title. And he would work with a lot of Europeans. I think he was very interested in in working with people around the world, getting out of just his locale and expanding and seeing what people from other countries would do with his work. And I think that's that's such a cool way to work. 
And he said that he did most of his works for European listeners and was not interested mm-hmm. in how the Japanese evaluated his works. And I think that that's uh, pretty interesting to not be so worried about your contemporaries because, yeah, he's collaborating with like people from France and Spain, but really like not much in the way of collaboration with other Japanese artists. Yes, yes. And that is stated in the upcoming interview. And I thought really, really cool insight. What else? What else is? Ah, that's a bad transition. Sorry. But back to missing volume. What do we think this title means? Something that is that hollow sound that we love, where or maybe Gray's said before, like quiet, loud sounds quiet. It's that something that's very, very full and pregnant with thought, but it's not loud and overstated. I like that a lot. I also just like keep going back to this past and these things that we are missing and these things maybe that we can never get back and they're lost to time they're lost to the ages and maybe that's what this missing volume is oh maybe, like a book like a volume from the library well sure a or volume even of just, tales or even just volume of even going more abstract to the just art these these old ideas and these old feelings so maybe not even just like a literal book but just these volumes of old feelings and old emotions that we cannot get back because they're missing to and that reverse we are dunked in a waterfall of ancient voices Mm -hmm. again not actual sounds of voices but these voices that speak abstractly through sound i actually heard voices like the the chanting of prayer, like I I could see this being uh, the undercurrent, especially at the end of a monastic chant. Absolutely, and and even in reverse, I was getting the image of, you know, we're walking the spiral stairs up to the temple, walking back down the reverse of of your path. I love that caves become homes, fires watched closely. When we're walking back down that path. I love that. I love that. That's a great way of, of hearing this. I was taken back to sort of the the contemporary sounds again, though, like traffic. Um, there's some metal sort of shuffling going on. And these sort of just weird uh, alternate layers from the other tracks. Like this one feels a little different. There's this sort of phased decline that I feel in this one that kind of kept momentum through the piece. Um, yeah, it's, there's a, it's such a din that's happening on each layer that it's, it's strange trying to kind of figure out what it all means together. Statues turn their head and gaze into the fog of the past. And we, Maybe that's what the reverse is. Maybe we're reversing back into time. And maybe Gray is reversing from these, this modern sounds 
and it's all being rewound. Is it the unmaking of everything? The unraveling. Or the raveling. Or the raveling <laughs> of all these sounds spiraling back to the past. And and I, I really enjoyed the way this track progressed because I, I thought that the the initial force of it was it was fairly violent, like a storm and, and things shuffling around. And then this kind of beautiful current came in where you know, I perceived music. I don't know what everybody else did, but it, and it was this just sometimes the beauty and chaos. It reminded me of uh, the time I was in a tornado and looked out of the window and I saw a roof that was almost fully formed, still rolling down the street, like a huge roof on a frame roof. Um, and it, it was really powerful and scary, but at the same time it was somehow lovely and beautiful watching it just roll down the street. And I think that's where Escore can take you on any of his albums, but I think this one especially can take you there. I think that's a great image Though terrifying, and I'm sure at the time it must have been absolutely terrifying. It was alarming. <laughs> alarming to say the least, but came out of it safely, and it was it was pretty wild. But uh, and you know, it's I I fully respect that he decided that this project was over 20 years ago, and just said that's that's not my vibe right now. That's not what I'm doing. He is a a businessman with a family and, and doing those things and this chapter is closed, but it, it really um, is an evocative and beautiful chapter. And I'm glad that he engaged with it. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad that it's there for us to absorb. And it's, there is something to be said about closing chapters on projects and mm -hmm. having it, having it be finite. And the places that Escor went, in those years know, of escort. Right. In those, in those years of escorts, so many different places. So evocative. He scored so many images in our minds. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really rich discography of stuff to track down. Even the more readily accessible stuff like the sediment CD or maybe these LPs, uh, all worth checking out and giving a listen to. The last release, if I'm not mistaken, would have been Shedder. Yeah, the Shedder CDR on Solipsism. Of course, just another classic label and, and a classic way to end. Before that was the Crime CD. On Daft. And again, that's something that is brought up in the upcoming interview, this idea of the past as well as the present in modern times. But again, I think we were all feeling differently, but all connecting with that. Whereas Gray was looking, hearing the present, we were hearing the past and it was all meeting together in this missing volume. And that's what Escort gives us in his discography. And I think that's so, such a great, rich story from Dross to Shedder and everything in between. What a special project Escor is and what a unique project, not only for Japan, but just for the noise underground. It's true. 
those you could just stare at those early tape covers all day. I have They're so good. Oh man, 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 man. Well, is that what we're doing next? Just staring. Yep, at the early tape covers. I would be happy to do that, and I think that's probably what we're going to do. No, I think we have another record from the Daft, or we have a record from the Daft catalog on our uh, upcoming list of stuff to do. So maybe we'll touch on that. We do. I know what you. We do. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Little behind the scenes for you. (laughs) But yes, we do have a very cool, another pretty unique record in the in in this world of noise. Yeah, I like it's one of the things about Escor is how far he sort of spread his his tendrils with the different labels he worked with. Like Daft was a label that was founded by Dirk Ivans from Absolute Body Control and The Clinic. Like that's that's not a realm I think of Escor in, but he obviously had fans, you know, that far out too, which is really which is great. Totally, and then you hear a track something off Dross that almost you would maybe fit right, in something right. like that. So it, it mm-hmm. is so cool. It's it's such a, I just get so excited about projects that defy genre, defy categorization. And I think Escore is just one of the greatest. So dark, so evocative, so atmospheric, and so its own thing. And that's the power of Escort. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices. And by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra. And your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noise extra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at Noise Extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.